1: Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I'm Jay Zawoski. With me are Greg Boyson and Mario Tiribasi on this audio-only podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher. If it's got podcasts, it's got CHGO Blackhawks. And again, Make sure you hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications so you know when new episodes are out. And of course, as always, follow our YouTube page. You can watch us live when we are live in studio. Tomorrow night, by the way, a little bit of a thing, the game against Buffalo. We will be doing a post-game show, but it will be remote. So we'll be doing on video from our basements, but we'll be live. So join us for the season finale, Blackhawks and Sabres. Fellas! From our
2: mom's basement. <laughs> yes! Hey, is that, is that frowned upon? <laughs>
1: my mom's Wi-Fi sucks. I couldn't do it if my life depended yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's fun to do it. You know, it's my wife's very excited. You're going to be home? You're going to be coming home at midnight? Like, yeah, you know, I'll be home one last time.
2: You know? I know. It's going to be really nice to not have to, like, drive at midnight. and.
1: Oh, boy. 57 I, I have... was white-knuckle time again yesterday. Oof, I was really? like, just, just everyone pass me. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. My, my Mazda doesn't go 105 miles an hour. Sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, get- I mean, e- even though like, you know, leaving at that late at night, it's just like traffic's not so bad. Yeah, at least for me it's not, but it's just like, I have a hard time going like right to bed when I get home. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm home. Like I feel, I feel like back at like my home base and it feels nice to be home. And I like want to like sit up and like watch TV and like get something to drink. And it's just like, oh, it's also like one o'clock. Like I need to go to bed.
1: Yeah. That's been an adjustment for sure. Yeah. So I was laying in bed for a good half hour last night, just scrolling TikTok. Then I dropped my phone on my face. I said, okay, (laughs) I'm adequately tired. It is time for bed.
2: (laughs) I'm now tired. Yes.
1: It will be nice
0: for the 6 o'clock game to be done with post game and already be home at mm-hmm. like 9.30, 9.45. It will be weird. I won't know what to do with the rest of my evening.
1: <laughs> it'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mario, uh, I want to start with you. For allchgo.com, you wrote a really nice piece yesterday um, talking about how many of the Blackhawks' leaders all of a sudden seem to be like kind of like, well, you know, maybe this thing won't be so bad. And you broke it down. But before we get to your piece, I want to play audio from Jonathan Taves. This was yesterday's morning skate. So this is before the game against Vegas. In the morning, Jonathan Taves was asked about the future of the
3: Hawks, and here's what he had to say. You know, like we've seen with other teams, things can turn around pretty quickly. And I think if, if a lot of different guys are given the right environment and the right opportunity and um, – you know take keep taking steps forward I think uh, things can turn around pretty fast and it's just it's a fine line that, uh, these days in, in the league and um, you know I just think that uh, you know you don't want to make excuses when you look back on a season like this but there's just uh, so many things that made it feel like we're just working against the grain always and um, you know whether it was the losing streak to start the season and uh, in gold droughts uh, just go down the list like there's just things that we need to work out as a group we need to go through this for whatever reason <clears throat> and i think uh, if we all can kind of take those learning opportunities from it and all get better individually i uh, i see us all improving quite a bit and i don't think it's fair to put any pressure on us going forward but uh you know i definitely think we can come out of this better as individuals and as a team going forward so
1: there's jonathan taves on wednesday Patrick Kane and Seth Jones met the media as well and mentioned both of them specifically mentioned mentioned the LA Kings and their air quotes quick turnaround <laughs> Jones mm-hmm. mentioned the Ducks mm-hmm. Patrick Kane mentioned the Rangers and I think that these comments got a lot of people thinking a little bit Mario you wrote it so I'm going to give you the floor here to sort of uh, give us your spiel on what you thought of the whole thing
2: yeah so I I think the When Patrick Kane came out and said on, I believe it was on Tuesday during, after, uh, the optional skate, he mentioned the Kings, he mentioned the Rangers and and he was talking about how, um, you know, the rebuild might, you can still win during a rebuild. Like you don't have to absolutely, you know, tank bottom out and be like a 20 win team. Like you can still win some games and, and have some, um, some good feelings from, from wins while still rebuilding. And he pointed to the Kings and the Rangers. And I think his comments kind of were stomached a little bit better by Blackhawks fans because he also was talking about, you know, Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom and being like, I want to like, if those guys are part of this rebuild, I, it, it makes it seem like he wants to he has more incentive to be like, yeah, I'll, I'm, I want to stick around for it in Chicago, play with younger guys, and and help the rebuild in that way. And I think fans were like, oh, great, if the in, Kane's in, and maybe things won't be so terrible. But when Seth Jones and Jonathan Taze both spoke uh, at after morning skate before the game against the uh, the Golden Knights, they they said like, yeah, we we. I, they both agreed with kane's sentiment that the rebuild can be quicker but i think the problem came in with mostly with seth jones saying that the kings and the ducks rebuilds were quick but they weren't and neither and to kane's point too neither were the rangers and they weren't like it wasn't like oh they had one bad season they got really lucky in the draft, flipped things around, made, the, made one or two really good trades, and then, boom, they're back in the playoffs this year. Like, no, 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 that's, that's not the case whatsoever. Um, I wrote about it in, in, in the article for uh, at allchgo.com, which you can uh, read now. Subscribe if you're not a member already. Um, since for the in the Kings' uh, scenario, since winning the Cup in 2014, they haven't won a postseason series and have failed to make the the playoffs in five of the last seven seasons. Uh, their winning percentages in the last three seasons before this year were .433, .457, and .438. So even in the even in the time where you can say like, oh, they have a 500 record because they you know because you have as many Um, wins as you have regulation losses, not counting shootout and overtime losses, they still had losing quote-unquote records. Um, And with the Ducks, they haven't been back to the postseason since reaching the conference finals in 2017. And the past four so in the past four seasons they've all had below 500 winning percentages as well 0.488 0.472 0.384 and a 0.469 this season so they're the ducks being lumped in with like oh yeah their rebuild was quick it's like they're still not even in the postseason so i don't understand where that comparison came from because their rebuild is not over i think is accelerated because Trevor Zegers has turned into a superstar player and Troy Terry has developed into a player like that. He, you know, Zegers was a first round pick and there's a there was a high ceiling for him right out of the gate. And he looks like he's ascending to that really, really, really quickly. Troy Terry was a late round pick and he developed into a young player that can be a a building block for Anaheim. And for the Rangers, uh, they have not been back to the playoffs also since 2017, even though some of their winning percentages in the last five years have been above 500, they play in a very difficult division and they've missed the postseason uh, in the the last five seasons before getting back to it this year. Um, The problem with the Rangers was that they had no first round draft picks in 2013, 14, 15, and 16. So for a long time, while the Rangers were you know competing getting into the playoffs making runs to the Stanley Cup final they were much like the Blackhawks had to do sacrificing first round picks in in transactions to stay competitive and and make deadline moves and and things like that Um, but they've been in the in the lottery in the last five drafts and that includes having the first overall pick in 20 uh, in 2020, getting Alexis Lafreniere, and then having the second overall pick in 2019, getting Capo Caco. So not only is it drafting in the lottery, but it's literally getting the first or second pick. So their rebuild has been accelerated by getting, hitting on top draft picks and, getting into, and being in the lottery. And the thing that all three of these teams uh, have that is completely different than the Blackhawks is their prospect systems. I went by uh, The Athletic's Corey Pronman. He does his uh, prospect pipeline rankings every year. I went by his rankings. The Kings have the fifth best prospect pipeline. The Rangers have the fourth best and the Ducks have the 10th best. So these three teams that are quote unquote accelerated in their rebuild, their prospect systems are all top 10 in the league. The Blackhawks are 23rd. And the problem with that is that while the Blackhawks are their prospect system is twenty third in the league, they are similar to the Kings and the Ducks and the Rangers in that they haven't been to the postseason, the true postseason, since two thousand seventeen or later. Their winning percentages in those in those missed years are are 0. 463, 0. 512, 0. 514, 0. .491, and point zero point four zero six this season. And the, another problem is that while the Kings, Ducks, and Rangers have had similar winning percentages, they also have expressed rebuild plans years ago. So this isn't unexpected results. For the Blackhawks, those winning percentages were quote unquote unexpected because the front office and the team were trying to rebuild on the fly and trying to retool and go for it year after year after year. They've drafted in the lottery twice since 2017 the Blackhawks have. One of those draft picks is Adam Boquist, no longer in the organization. The other one is Kirby Doc, who currently out of that 2019 uh, draft class and all of the lottery picks, might be one of the one of the lowest rated picks out of that draft class. And the Blackhawks have had nine first round picks since 2000, uh, 2011 to 2019. Only two are in the organization still and in the draft classes from 2014 to 2018, the Blackhawks only produced 13 players to play in NHL games, and nine of those 13 have played the majority of their NHL games away from the Blackhawks. So when you look at the Ducks, the Rangers, and the Kings, they have been in rebuilds already, they have lost, they have picked in the lottery, and a a number of those picks have developed and have made their prospect pipelines pretty fruitful and a number of those players are already contributing to the teams that are getting back into the postseason or at least back on the ascension for the blackhawks they've been they've been bad they've been they've missed the playoffs they have not drafted well they have not developed well and they are basically in the same timeline as the rangers kings and ducks they have had similar results but they're now starting square one five years later with the rebuild rather than three or four years ago. So I basically, I, ju- I basically just laid out the entire article, but, but basically it's, you know, that the Seth Joneses and the Jonathan Tayses and the Patrick Haynes of the NHL, like these top elite stars, they don't want to lose. They're professional athletes at the highest level. They're not ingrained with, oh, it's okay with losing. They wanna win. And when they think about rebuild, we heard Jonathan Taze earlier this year say, Oh, I don't know what a rebuild means, as dumb as those comments sounded. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. well, you kind of take a step back and you're like, Well, this guy's only known like winning and success. So so yeah, like obviously rebuild, you understand what that comment means. But actually going through that, he has not experienced that. And he's been told over these past couple of seasons where the Blackhawks have lost and missed the playoffs mm. that they were still going for it, that they were trying to be contenders. This is now the first time in maybe since he was drafted by, by the team in his rookie season that he's like, oh, I, I know we're going to be losing now. And it, it makes it sound and, and, th- and these professional athletes don't want to be in that mindset. They want to win, at, win championships and win every game that they play in. So, of course, they're going to say, like, well, yeah, it could go faster. Yeah, it could if everything goes perfectly. But Kyle Davidson's got a ton of cleanup duty to do. He's got a huge summer ahead of him. And like I said, this is essentially square one in the rebuild, even though the teams that they compare them to have blown by square one already.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. There's been so many failures in the half-assed development, you know, the Hawks luck into the three pick, take Kirby Doc, and it doesn't really work out, right? And if if Kirby Doc is maybe a step ahead in his development and Adam Boquist is still here, things look different. But they gave up so much to get Seth Jones, who we all agree is a good player, a very good player, happy he's here, all those things. But it cannot be argued that the Hawks gave up too much to get him and paid him probably a million bucks too much. So if 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 he if Boakless is still here, Then things sort of seem a little bit different. But as you look at the landscape of where is the next star coming from, and you look at the Kings with Byfield, and you look at Anaheim with Zegris and Terry, and you see where their next stars are coming from. If Lucas Reichel isn't a star, I guess it's coming from the next time the Hawks get a really good first round pick, and we don't even know when that's going to be. You know, so it's because the first round picks that they've sort of uh gained back via trade like minnesota if if they go to the cup if they go to the conference final and the picks they got from tampa those are going to be lower first round picks of course they can be traded up that's a fact right that can happen but as we know it right now there aren't really any great first round picks in their future unless they get really really lucky in the draft lottery and who knows you know what i mean that's not something to bank on so it's very different because there is not that obvious next superstar in the pipeline, and they have a lot of defensive depth in terms of prospects, but they don't have any high-end defensive depth. You're looking at they've got eight options that could be number four or number five. That's not going to get you from rebuild to playoffs. It's just not. Those are complementary guys down the road, not difference makers.
0: Yeah, as Mario pointed out, the difference between – and I get why these veterans want to say things like that. Maybe they just need to hear it so they feel better about it. Maybe they're trying to make fans feel better about it. But you can't compare the Blackhawks right now to where the Kings were two years ago, or the Ducks were. Or look at the Rangers. I mean, the the, the, the Ducks—they've three straight years picking in the top five, in the top ten, including third overall this past year. Hawks aren't haven't had any of those picks. The only one they had Kirby Doc. The Kings, three straight years in the top 10, including the second overall and fifth overall. The Rangers have had nine first-round picks in the last five drafts, including first and second overall, and a total of five in the top 10. And they're developing these players. There's the difference. Mm -hmm. It's not just picking guys. It's developing them. It's having patience. The Blackhawks have done none of that they don't develop guys they never developed a guy understand bowman they have to just start that process now so if you think this is going to happen in two years no i'm sorry you're out of your goddamn mind yeah. it's not happening there's no it's not gonna happen yeah. I'll, the I'll... rangers you can talk about the rangers but look at all in addition to all those first round draft picks they've had the last handful of years they developed a star goalie They have one of the best goalies in the league in Igor Igor Shesterkin. They traded, they acquired Adam Fox, a Norris-winning defenseman, an elite-level defenseman they acquired in a trade and let develop. They went out and got an Artemi Panarin. This year's team might be a little smoke and mirrors. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. They're second in a very tough division, not taking anything away from them. But when you break down their numbers, they have – my vote for the Vesna winning tro- uh, goalie, they've got the, a ridiculous power play right now. Chris Kreider has 50, over 50 goals. Who picked that to happen? And half of those are on the power play. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Blackhawks a couple years ago when it was like best power play in the league, amazing goaltender, but they just get owned at five on five. Those type of things might, will probably get exposed in the playoffs. So let's not crown the Rangers as like this elite team just yet. Let's see how they do, you know, in playoff hockey. But, yes, they've done the process well, but they've been doing it since 2017.
1: That, and the, Hawks and that's are the th- just starting it. So, just, so fans, that's your timeline, right? If you're looking yeah, at how a true years. rebuild works, it's five years. And I'm very curious as to why all of a sudden – the veterans on this team and two consecutive days were like you know this might not be as bad as we think did someone get to them as Kyle Davidson like bringing them in and saying hey you know we'd like you to be around for the next generation of great hawks and hey look at anaheim and la they turned it around pretty quickly without it was a prudering it like uh, like mario did <laughs> you know what i mean it hasn't been that quick it hasn't been that painless la has been horrible for years. Just I'm terrible. Still
0: not, I'm still not convinced they're a good team now. Well they're they're in a they're you. in a bad
1: division too. That's, that helps. that's somebody's yeah. somebody's gotta
0: be in third place in that division. Vegas having everybody hurt and not having a goaltender and a coach that's really bad at his job didn't hurt either. So, you know, a lot of things went right for them, but they're definitely on a on a upward trajectory. They're definitely I'd much rather have the Kings and the Blackhawks roster right now, no doubt, but yeah, it, it like this is a five year process. If you think it, it may be four, but my God, to think this can turn around in two years, you know you, you're, you're out of your mind. Not if you had a bunch of y- young guys already in your system, okay, maybe. You don't. you don't. You don't have anybody. You got Lucas Reichel who could be a very good player. I don't see superstar in Lucas Reichel. I don't. No, I agree. He could be a very good player. NHL player, maybe an all-star once or twice, but not. he's not a Hart Trophy winner. He's not a, a franchise-altering talent. Very good player, happy to have him. Not a superstar. As you mentioned, defensively, you got a bunch of second and third pairing defensemen if they reach their ceilings. You don't have an Adam Fox coming. You don't have a Jamie Drysdale in your system. You don't have these guys. You need to still get those guys. You don't have a goaltender. You don't have a goaltender.
1: Literally, you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: Like there's no I mean, sure, Drew Camesso, sure. One good college season does not make him a Hall of Famer. All right. We still need the like he is still two, three, four seasons away from being a serious NHL starter if he even gets there. So to to look at what the prospect pool is at this point and think that they're kind of close, give me whatever you're smoking, because that's some good stuff. Because you're (laughs) out of your mind. You're crazy. It's time to swallow some cold hard facts, and if Jonathan Taves and Seth Jones and Patrick Kane are being told, to, like, say, hey, we kinda wanna sell tickets next year, don't be doom and gloom, fine. But if this is what they actually think, guys, come on now, don't kid yourselves. It's okay to admit the truth that it's going to be painful the next couple of seasons, and that's okay, that's okay. The Kings, the, the Rangers didn't get all those top five, top two picks. For going out and you know being positive they went out and they stunk they had a little luck with the lottery a couple times but they stunk and you know yeah the number one pick came in a year where they technically made the playoffs and lost in the bubble but whatever it still it happened and there they are. You're going to need a lot of luck to well, make these things
1: work. And they did yeah. it with 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 Kopitar and Doughty and Quick and, and, and a lot of those guys still on the team.
0: Well, and that's another you know? thing with the Kings. Kopitar has had a – a, a, he, he's not had the drop-off of Jonathan Taves have had. That doesn't hurt. Right. You know, Kopitar has been hand over fist much better player than Jonathan Taves has the last four seasons when Taves has played. Um, you know, he's still playing at a high level. Jonathan Quick has had a resurgence this year. Nobody expected. I think everybody thought this was the year Cal Peterson finally cements himself as the starter, and now all of a sudden Jonathan Quick looks like it's 2014 again. Yes, he did. That didn't yeah. hurt. So you got to have a lot of luck. You got to have a lot of things go your way, and the Blackhawks have had nothing go their way when it comes to drafts and development as over the past ten years. So Kyle Davidson is starting. You say this is square one. I think he's not even at square one yet. Ground zero. He's, he's, he's underground right now. He's got to dig himself <laughs> from under the ground. He's once he, I think this summer gets him to ground zero, and then he can move forward. He's got to erase a lot of crap that happened over the past decade. He's got to just gut this thing out and start over. This summer isn't even getting to ground zero or square one, whatever you want to call it. This season is burying himself from under the wreckage of the Stan Bowman era. He is under the debris and lots of it. There's a lot of crap that he's gotta get rid of that he'd had nothing to do with, and it starts Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, it's funny, and you're trying to find, you know, you're trying to look logically at where the growth is coming from inside the organization, right? Like, who are the guys who can really step up? I I have not totally given up on Kirby Dock, I think he can develop into a pretty good player, like a good second-line center, maybe another Dylan Strom. And at this point, maybe you take that if that's what Doc is because up to now, there's no evidence of that happening, right? There's been flashes, there's been moments, but there hasn't been any sort of consistency in his game at all, either production-wise or performance-wise. Uh, you already mentioned Reichel. Defensively, maybe you see Ian Mitchell as a top three if he maxes out. Maybe he's a three or a you know lower-level number two. But that all remains to be seen, too. So these other organizations have these young stars already in place. The Hawks don't have that. And right now they don't have the picks to get that. And that that's really, really difficult, which is why I think we're going to see and I hope to see T- Kyle Davidson get really creative in acquiring picks. And that's what kind of like I don't want to say it troubled me that all of a sudden like Jonathan Taves's disposition sort of changed. But. I don't know, it's like if you're going to if you're gonna bring in pieces, you've got to acquire some pieces. You've got to get some capital here. Um, and moving some of these veterans with value might be the way to do it. We've got the whole summer to get into that, of course, but um, I don't know, it was just a very strange, all of a sudden your three highest-paid and highest-profile players are all of a sudden saying, like, eh, it's not going to be that bad. God, where did that come from? I'd love to know.
2: Well, yeah. and the, the, the thing with Taze is that you know, he was he spent about eleven minutes talking to the media on on Wednesday, and it was pretty much um, you know used as like, oh, this will be the last time he he talks to the the big media conglomerate, whatever. And um, you know, he spoke about this season and how you know this year compared to other you know years and, and the years where they you know the Blackhawks were on the cup runs. He said he learned more about himself this year than in any of those years, uh, both professionally and personally. And I, I think it's because, you know, the amount of losing and the amount of challenges and personal difficulties that he had to face with his, you know, with his health and with his his role and, and the coaching changes, the front office changes, everything like that. It was the first time that he really went through a season like this. And, and there's obviously a lot of uh, learning opportunities when a team – and a player that is so used to success goes through something completely the opposite of success and he mentioned you know you want to he said something uh, to the effect of in in uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit something to the effect of all of the ups and downs the challenges and all of the the losing and the pain of this season you want to hope it is worth it is what did he say you you want to believe that it is all uh for something like you always want you want to believe that it's that there's a there's a point to it and and there's a reason that the team had to go through it to get to the other side and the way that he was talking uh on on wednesday afternoon before the game to me i I, i've just got the sense and and compared to to everything that we've heard from him over the last uh month and a half um since the trade deadline it really made me. I, I really just kind of like took took a step back and was just like, just really trying to to listen to him and watch him talk. And to me, it really he really just came off as this as as a player who's really struggling to decide what he wants to do with his future. Because Scott Powers asked him, like, you know, what is important to you at the end of your career? Is it being a captain? Is it playing a top role? Is it you know winning Stanley Cups? Like like what are what are the important things to you? as you as you get to this, this point in your career. And Teza's like, yeah, I want all of that. Okay. But <laughs> well <laughs> but where but but I think his I think the issue then becomes for him, he he wants those things, but but there's no way he's gonna get that in Chicago in the next three two, three seasons. And you know he 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 didn't comment about you know what his future holds with the organization beyond next season. Um and that's fair. I mean, he's he's got the, all this summer to kind of figure those things out. Um, if, if he really just wants to, you know, focus on, if he really just wanted to focus on finishing this season and be like, okay, we'll have offseason talk, discussions in the offseason, that's fine. I can understand that. But, you know, it, he puts the importance on having a leadership role, a, a leadership role that he says he's way more comfortable in now than when he first became the captain. He said he really didn't know how to be a captain when he was given the, the role at 20 years old. Um, but now you know he's able to be comfortable in, in the pressures that come with it and he's more comfortable not putting pressure on himself that he used to do. So if he still wants to have a leadership role, Obviously, he if he's with the Blackhawks, he's the captain of the team. I, I don't think there's any right a, any scenario where we see bl- the Blackhawks. If Jonathan Taze has some sort of extension signed in the next in, in in this off season or or next year, I don't think we see a scenario like we saw with the Sharks, where you know they go from you know uh, Patrick Marlowe to Joey Thornton to Joe Pavelski, but all three of those guys are still on the team. I don't think we see a scenario like that with the Blackhawks. It's going to be Jonathan Taze as long as he's on this team. Um, and he wants to have a top role. Well, the Blackhawks. I really, you know, he's he's making top player money, but he's not a top player anymore. So you can't really just force him into the top six because he's a ten million dollar player. If he signs an extension, it's obviously going to be for a major pay cut, and I think it has to come with kind of a responsibilities cut too, because you have to make room for Lucas Reichel. You have to, you know, if you're going to shoehorn Kirby to into being a center, you have to kind of make room for him. We don't know what Dylan Strome's future with the Blackhawks is, but if he's on the Blackhawks, obviously uh, alongside um, Alex Brinkett and Patrick Kane, that's where he's had the most success. So you kind of look at it and you're like, you know, if, if Taze wants to come back, be the captain and be a part of the rebuild and see the other side of it and make this season's challenges and next season's challenges all worth something in the next four or five years when they potentially could be contending again. He's going to have to swallow a lot of pride and and just be like, "Okay, I guess I'm the third line center and I just play on the penalty kill and I no longer am a, I'm no longer going to play 18 to 20 minutes a night and be on the power play and, and and do everything." I think he's I think he really sounded like a player who's grappling with all these things that he still wants to do, but I don't know if the Blackhawks have that all of those can offer him all of those things. So he's really grappling I think he's really just personally grappling with that. And we're going to see how it plays out in, the, in this off season and into next year.
1: He definitely acknowledged. I think you're right on that. And, and it, it is something he's struggling with. And, and you know, the thing that we love the most about Taves is his competitiveness. And for a guy like that to just sort of give it up for the better of the team is, is tough and it is an adjustment, but you heard him sort of talking about how his captaincy has changed. Over the years and the way he approaches his captaincy he's gonna have to have that same sort of an approach you know approaching his uh, on ice game you know it's not just gonna be like well i i can't take things so so hard i can't get so down after losses because losses are going to become the norm here and that was what we sort of talked about that a couple weeks ago where he was saying i need to know from kyle davidson how to lead how am i how do how do i be a captain for a losing team that's something he's never had to do before, and I think a lot of people, when reading the quotes, heard it as another Jonathan, Jonathan Taves bitch session, but it wasn't that. It was him saying genuinely, like, I just need to know what they want from me, right? Because the way I've always led was I was the guy who hated losing the most. I was the guy who played the hardest. I was the guy, yada, yada, yada. If that's not what's going to be the right thing for this team, I need to know what is, and I don't know, like we've always in the past, we've praised Taves for being the thoughtful guy he is, right? He's not just some robotic hockey player. And yeah, there have been some things this year that have annoyed not just us, but a lot of people. But I think it is truly just him working through all of this. You're asking a guy to completely change his personality on the ice. And that's really difficult on top of the coping with I'm just not the guy I used to be. I'm not the guy who can split. You know, three avalanche uh, defenders and score a sweet highlight reel goal anymore. I'm just not that guy. I'm just not that effective anymore. And coping with that personally is probably difficult for him as well. So he has been through the last two years, at least, Taves has been through a ton. And it's sort of kind of like taking the 20,000 foot view of this season, you can sort of see, like, okay, you know, in context, you could see why Taves probably had such a tough time. Um, saying the right things and 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 doing the right things and he, look, he still played hard. I still when I saw him out on the ice, for the most part, he was doing the right things. But you can see that internal struggle with him. And I think if you were to ask him today, honestly, like over a beer or over some uh, vegan cheese or something, is that "What do you want to do?" He might not know yet. He truly might need a week or two or a month or whatever to kind of reflect and say, "I love it here. Everything I've accomplished is here." You know. I've built a life here. Do I want to be here and be part of this rebuild and help see it through? Or do I want to go try to get one more cup in a, in a reduced role? And, and I don't think he truly knows the answer to that question yet.
2: Well, and think about, you know, Taze and Kane and Seth Jones. Like these are all guys that um, you know, Taze and Kane have only known, you know, Stanley cups, winning love from the city of Chicago, being, you know, modern day legends of, of the club and, and Seth Jones came to Chicago expecting, you know, to to compete this year, and expecting to be like, hey, this is a, a uh, this is a team that is going to, you know, this summer they or this this past summer, in his eyes, it was like, wow, they're gonna really go for it. This is a place where I can I can go to compete and play with top level players, play with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and and Mark Andre Fleury and, and these top players, and all of these guys are now having to come to grips with like, well, the seems like the plan has completely flipped on its head. And I think about, you know, Seth Jones being like, well, maybe it's quicker than it, than that it can be quicker than a lot of people think, because he's now looking at the next eight years of his contract. And yes, he's going to get a very handsome pay raise. But I, you know, I think he, ma- he made the decision to come to Chicago because he th- probably thought, hey, this team Is maybe just a me away from being a a real contender and then he comes here and they just suck right away and it's just like and he's probably thinking I just left this shit from Columbus and now I got (laughs) to do now I got to do this again in Chicago so you know he's probably also like like Taze and like Kane grappling with the idea of like man this rebuild was not on my list of things I, I wanted to be a part of when I came to the came to the Blackhawks and signed an extension and You know, he's these guys, yeah, I'm sure that they, in the back of their minds, they are realistic that, hey, this is probably not going to be that quick, but they really want to believe that it can be, and I think that's just the competitive nature of those guys, and probably just a little bit of naivety to be like, "Uh, is is it really going to be that bad for this long? Uh, Okay, you know, kind of gritting their teeth and and having to kind of come to grips to it, so... I, I, I don't fault them for trying to believe and have optimism that hey, it might not be so bad for so long. Um, but I can I can understand the internal like struggle that they have to deal with of being like, man, I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be here, it's gonna suck and it's probably gonna suck for a while. And you kind of have to cherry pick and be like, hey, uh, we gotta find the good things about this because it's, you know it's it's gonna be a lot of bad. And if you can really enjoy the little good things, that'll help in in the long process.
1: Yeah, and I think em- embracing the struggle doesn't necessarily mean you're not a competitor anymore. We can get into that in a little bit here, but we're way behind on our uh, ad read. So I wanna remind everybody that the best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app. And when you do, use the code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership that unlocks all of our great web content like Mario's piece on the Blackhawks' future, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's two Gs, as the kids say, in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first time deposit at points bet if you have any questions on this you can email pointsbet at all chgo.com and we'll help you out points bet is your home for live in play betting and it just got even better introducing their new feature live nba same game parlay combine your favorite bets anytime during the game watch live parlay live and boost live with points bet and remember you can sign up start to finish with online sign up in illinois right now so what are you waiting for once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
2: And if you want to support not only us at CHGO, but support yourself with some, uh, some immune health, some gut health, get yourself some Athletic Greens. Uh, they have an AG1 product that is has uh, just, just been doing wonders for myself. Um, my gut health feels better. I feel more naturally energized. Uh, Just one scoop of that AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And it's good for if you have different dietary restrictions or lifestyle diets, whether it's gluten free, dairy free, vegan, keto, paleo, whatever it is, you're good to go. It's a small Uh, Easy step to uh, incorporate into your life, no matter how busy you might be. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of AG1 in a cup of water every day. That's all you need to do. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgoblackhawks. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash chgoblackhawks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: Uh, One thing I forgot to mention off the top of the show, by the way, we are doing our Stanley Cup Playoff Bracket Challenge. If you want to join our league, go to bracketchallenge.nhl.com slash leagues. You're going to hit the join the league button and you're going to search leagues and type in, what do you think? CHGO. You'll see the CHGO Blackhawks League. You're going to need a passcode to get in. That passcode is FLOWER. All caps FLOWER. F L O. W-E-R. That will get you into our Stanley Cup Bracket Challenge. Winner gets a whole pack of C-H-G-O swag. We'll let you pick the shirt of your choice from the C-H-G-O locker and send along some stickers and some other goodies as well. So jump on that. Again, bracketchallenge.nhl.com and search for the C-H-G-O Blackhawks League. It could not be easier. We also have it uh, on our Twitter account as our pinned tweet. Uh, the the direct link to our league so again that passcode is flower don't give that out it's for podcast listeners only damn it so uh, get in join us and uh, win some cool stuff and make sure if you register early once those brackets are set that you actually go in and complete your brackets (laughs) because I had to set myself a reminder complete brackets before playoffs start thank you Um, so yeah get in there and we'll have some cool stuff for you on the other side we already have about 20 people in uh, after just last night's announcement, so should be a lot of fun. So jump in. It's totally free. Bracketchallenge.nhl.com. Search the CHGO Blackhawks League and use that code FLOWER, all caps, to join.
0: I just wanted to, to touch up something, uh, kind of wrap up that that last conversation Mario had said there. and I see A lot of people have made the, the same point about, oh, Taves and Kane are used to winning Stanley Cups. Are they really, though? Like, I get it. They, they won three in their first eight seasons, but they haven't won a playoff series since the 2015 Stanley Cup final. I'm not counting the fake playoff against the Oilers in the bubble. That To me, that didn't happen. They haven't won a playoff series since the last Stanley Cup. So they've spent the last seven se- seasons not winning. So that's all, essentially half their career winning half their career not winning so that all of a sudden come to the realization that oh we're not winning it's like where the hell have you guys been the last five seasons
2: I think it's the messaging the the front office has told this team even though they've been losing hey we're going to contend we're going to go for it so now I think the messaging is we're going to be bad and we're going to rebuild and that's something that's new
0: right I I guess so but even with the front office telling you you guys are going to win what do you well, pay attention you're not winning and if the front office is saying hey you guys are going to be our leaders to help us win and you're not winning maybe you're part of the problem like i don't know what to say like I, I i i understand that mentality of hey they're used to winning they're used to being told to winning but there's also the well are you paying attention to what's going on around you the front office could be telling you one thing but you still got to produce on the ice and this team flat out hasn't been doing that So the whole like, oh, we're gonna be bad and I don't know if I like it, you've been bad. You've been bad for the last handful of seasons. So like, I don't know, some of that stuff just annoys me where it's like, you know, I I, I understand these are super competitive guys, they hate losing. I'm all for it, that's what you want. But at some point it's like, do you, and I know they're not gonna admit these, these things, and then they get ripped when they do admit some of these things at times. So it's it's a it's a catch twenty two. But at some point, it just annoys me sometimes. Where it's just like,
1: oh, you guys are bad. Why is this all of a sudden a change of pace for you that you can't deal with? What's funny, I wonder. Like Jonathan Taves can look at last season and be like, well, we would have been better if I had played. And well, they made the playoffs. We beat Edmonton in the playoffs a couple years ago. So we're, maybe we're not that far away. I, I could see how you can kind of convince yourself that things aren't as bad as they are. But any sort of look into the deeper stats would tell you and show you that the Hawks were not a good team. They just weren't. When they made the playoffs in the bubble, were they, they were like 12th in the West, right? Isn't that the case? Like They were, they the, were, last, they were the last team they in. They were the yeah. last
2: team in. They were the 23rd team in the league. Montreal was 24. Right. So
1: you can't go like, well, look look what we did. Eh. <laughs> you haven't done much yeah. of anything
0: since... You got in because they pretty much let everybody in and then Edmonton did what they always do and choke. Right. And then, a, and then a real team handed your handed you your ass.
1: Hello, here's your ass. Enjoy. <laughs> so, Please fly back to Chicago safely. Mask up. That was that should have
0: never been a barometer <laughs> of where that that team was headed. And unfortunately, the dope that was in charge
1: used it as a barometer to where the team was heading. And here we are. Well, th- thank God he's gone because God, yes. I I am four ter- years too late. I'm terrified to think what he would do this off season because before last year he's like, yep, rebuild. Here we go. Time for rebuild. And he's like, Ooh, Seth Jones. Ooh, Marc Andre Fleury. No more rebuild. It's like, see something through. And if there's one thing I I believe about Kyle Davidson so far, and look, it's a very small sample size, but just from our, you know, kind of uh, off the cuff conversations with him and the people around him, he's going to rebuild. Like, there is a definite plan of that. He is committed to it. And I think part of maybe what was hard for Stan is the same thing that was hard for Kane and Taves where he sees these same guys who led them to all this glory and he's like well look they can still do it like look how good Patrick Kane is and look how good Jonathan Taves still is and Duncan Keith still has hockey left and we love Brent Seabrook let's give him a hundred thousand million dollars for the next 45 years because he's such a good guy like it's just I think he was sort of blinded by his loyalty and and the past success of the team and Kyle Davidson doesn't have that he's got no loyalty to this crew nor should he right like the what Kyle Davidson's job is to make this team good as quickly as he can and he has to do that in so there will be some definite painful moves to be made and he's already shown the willingness to make one by trading Brandon Hagel now Brandon Hagel isn't Patrick Kane and isn't Jonathan Taves by any means of course but He has shown the willingness. He's shown the willingness to make an unpopular move at the time if he thought it was the right thing to do for the hockey team, and I hope he continues to do that. I hope he continues to do that.
0: I mean, yeah, with with the Bowman, the loyalty, and then, like, what did that get him? I mean, you look back at the 2018-19 season where Kane and Taves both had career years, and you missed the stinking playoffs. Yeah. So, like, short-sightedness was Stan Bowman's biggest fault. We don't see that with Kyle Davidson. Kyle Davidson... Stan Bowman always just thought about that year, that year. What can we do to win this year? We'll worry about next year. We'll worry about three years when it gets here. Kyle Davids is already planning three, four, five years ahead. We saw it with the Hagel trade. I think the Lucas Reichel, you know, the the development the confusing, plan. The, the, the confusing let's burn the first year of his contract move, that Has some, I think that has a a, that's part of a plan, something he's envisioned two, three years down the road. Stan Bowman never had that, not for a second. Stan Bowman wouldn't even think what he wanted for lunch five minutes from now, let alone five years from now. So it's refreshing. It's going to take us some time getting used to having a front office that actually has some foresight, actually has some planning ability. We're not used to that. It's going to take some time, and I think it's going to make a lot of fans say, what the hell is going on here? And It's like, just let it play out. Let's see what happens. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys this summer that could be tagged as, quote, Stan Bowman guys. They're going to be looking for new jobs, and that's going to be not just the guys on the ice, but guys in the front office, guys in the scouting staff. Anybody that was a, a Bowman guy I think is going to be shown the door this summer and sh- and should be. Let's Let's just get rid of all of that.
1: Well, let's be clear, too. There are people who worked for Stan Bowman that were not Stan Bowman guys, too. No, Norman, Norman Guyver is one of <laughs> them. He came back. And there's, there's people that have been there and remain there that were very grateful when Stan Bowman re- resigned. Because exactly. they said, finally. And just what we've been saying. No vision. No future. And correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you guys remember this, too. But I feel like there was a time a couple years ago where bowman flat out said like we'll figure out next year next year like something along the lines of we'll figure out the future in the future however long down the road it was like oh these things have a way of working themselves out like when he signed a bad contract or whatever yeah the way you do it is you have to give a good prospect and eat a crap ton of money and screw yourself cap wise that is not a plan like most teams use that in an emergency that became stan bowman's management style. Band-a- yeah. band-aids on bullet holes right
2: <laughs> yeah I, I feel like that that quote was had to be used at some point it sounds exactly like something I, I would imagine Stan Bowman would would have said in the past um, and you know regarding Davidson and, and and the messaging around the rebuild the Blackhawks last night did a lot of you know thank you fans kind of things Yeah. Um, for the for the home finale of the season, and one of them was you know a, a thank you to the fans video with you know a bunch of different uh, moments from from this past season. You know they highlighted uh, they highlighted Jonathan Taze's one thousandth game, and you know we saw Nicholas Johansson come back, Marion Hosa. You know it was it was all the you know all the feel good moments from the year, and they also had messages from Kyle Davidson and uh, Danny Wirtz. And while they were quick. Uh, messages the it was you know just kind of like one sentence um, and again I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit but I can do this one a little bit better than I did uh, Taze's quote but um the messaging was just thank you fans for your commitment to the future of the team and your and for sticking with us as we re and this was this was from Wirtz he in, in his little snippet he said uh, thank you for your commitment to the team, to the future, and for sticking with us as we reimagine what the Blackhawks can be. And so I think in a Stan Bowman led uh, front office, um, I don't think you would have ever heard anything like that. And so I, I think the messaging coming from this organization now, um, and and specifically from from a guy like Danny Wirtz and um, a guy like Kyle Davidson, is that we are we are planning for the future, and we want you, to and we want you to know that we are going to show you that we appreciate you if you stick with us through this future because because without saying it we know it's going to be very difficult. Um so I think that I think that that messaging is something that is uh ingrained in the in the front office uh as as the team moves forward now which is something completely different from from previous front offices.
0: Yeah, this team definitely needs reimaging. It needs a whole new identity. Um, the way the Stan Bowman era ended, not not even talking about how bad it's been on the ice. But with all the scandal and all that stuff, this is a franchise that needs a new identity. So that's that's the right message to have. And and Kyle Davidson is gonna be betting on himself the next few years here. And we gotta put the faith that he's gonna make the correct plays. And if you want to make the correct play on your points bet app, We've got our Play of the Week. Uh, Last week, our Play of the Week, um, I did something stupid. I recommended an NBA bet, and it it failed miserably. That was my mistake. So I'm going to stick to what I know, or at least what I appear to know, and that's hockey. We're going to go back to the frozen pond tonight for our Play of the Week. We discussed this before, hitting the record button, and uh, our uh, Points Bet Play of the Week this week we discussed it. I think it's an. I think it's can't miss. It's the Florida Panthers minus a goal and a half at the Ottawa Senators tonight at plus one hundred five. I think that's just. It's too. It appears too good to be true. But go go with it. That the Panthers are the highest scoring team in the league. They've got the most goals by far. It's not even close. No one's going to catch them. They're at the Senators. Bad team. Starting a bad goalie in Philip Gustafson, who has a Eight, uh, 8.93 save percentage and a 3.52 goals against average going against the highest scoring team in the league who appears not to be resting anybody they're going with their full lineup Spencer Knight is in goal for the Panthers tonight a two-goal win in Ottawa for the highest scoring team in the league seems like that's almost as sure thing as you're going to get so that is our points bet play of the week that's the Panthers minus a goal and a half at the Senators at plus 105 odds
2: Hey, guys, we got uh, breaking news here. Uh Uh-oh. According to Emily Kaplan of ESPN, the Blackhawks are hiring Jeff Greenberg as associate GM. Whoa! Kyle Kyle Davidson says to ESPN, I think he can help push us into the area a lot of other sports are in right now that hockey isn't necessarily at the level, in my opinion. That's kind of a vague statement, but that's, uh, that's coming from... Uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN this was just nine minutes ago
1: fascinating that's
2: the,
0: that's the Cubs guy right that is yes. the Cubs Cubs the guy, uh,
2: the, former Cubs front office member yep
0: that's the guy we we're all like why the hell are they interviewing him well now we know and I think he's an analytical mind yes and he that's is. An, that is an approach and and that was kind of the thing all the guys they were interviewing were kind of like more the analytic side so I think they were picking brains um you know I I, I kind of like the move gets a different set of eyes in here that's not a hockey guy, per se. As long as he's not, you know, I I would have thought if making him the GM would have been the wrong move, but putting him in there, because analytics can be applied to anything. You know, it's numbers. You crunch numbers, you figure out what's good, what's bad, and if they're going to rely, I don't think they're going to rely on that, but it's always good to have that guy in the room uh, because it's it's valuable. I don't think you should build your team. You know, I don't think the Hawks need to go Billy Bean style and and just – completely rely on stats advanced stats but it. it that, I, I like that move
1: he is a um I, boy i had a talk back when they were interviewing um him as a candidate for gm i reached out to a, a source that has a good connection with with him and he is a hockey person he's a fan of hockey i know he he played at some level i think he played into college he played um, in college yeah I, I, I was
2: told that yeah
1: yeah so he's not like what is a hockey puck <laughs> Like he comes right. in with some knowledge of what the game is supposed to look like and i like this move a lot and, and we'll get the rest of the week we're going to get into it a lot because we're running up against our time here um but it's exciting to be bringing in this is not something that sam bowman would have ever think thought of doing bring in someone from a sport that is highly evolved in terms of advanced statistics and advanced development methods and look, like, the Cubs have flat out, like, when, it, when Theo Epstein was there, and I know a little bit with Jed Hoyer, too, like, they're flat out inventing ways to help their players develop systems and, uh, you know, video anal- video analysis and things like that. So bringing it a mind from an outside sport, especially a guy who knows the game a little bit, this to me is very exciting. And, and it, I think it's good that, um, you know, he's not the, the flat out GM, I think this is an assistant to Kyle Davidson makes a ton of sense.
2: So here, here's the full quote from Davidson. from uh, from This is from ESPN's Emily Kaplan. This is uh, Kyle Davidson speaking. It's the direction I always wanted to go to bring in that outside influence and expertise we don't have in-house and someone that can bring the unique perspective of how a front office can be run. I'm excited to get his influence into our group. I think he can help push us into the, into the area a lot of other sports are in right now, streamlining, modernizing, and adding sophistication to the decision-making process that hockey isn't necessarily at the level of, in my opinion. Uh, so it appears Greenberg is going to be kind of, uh, like you guys said, kind of in the analytics Department but literally analytics department It says he will be tasked with building out new computer and app based systems Which will streamline information for the organization a journey. He had a front-row seat to with the Cubs So yeah, I mean that's that's yeah, I I think uh, That is someone that they obviously had the opportunity to to pick his brain in the in the GM search Um, you know someone that I think the Blackhawks front office uh, connections to the Cubs front office uh, probably helped that decision making as well. With uh, Jamie Faulkner's husband also working for the Cubs, Um, yeah, I I I think bringing in somebody who is uh, you know has a different from from outside of of the sport to have a different take and a different um, approach to things like this is is good. Someone who's uh, young and can and come in with fresh ideas I think is a good thing Um, and. Yeah, I, I, I really can't uh, can't knock the Blackhawks for making a move like this. So uh, again, you know, this is this is kind of a a period where the Blackhawks can they have a lot of uh, space to kind of experiment and, and see what new things can can work. And uh, I think bringing in Greenberg is a is an interesting idea, and, and we'll see how it goes.
1: This is it's the sort different. of thing where if you're you know with a hard salary cap, you're limited in what you can do player wise. There is no limit to uh, analysts and uh, assistants and people with different eyes on things uh, to, to make your organization better and stronger. And, and you know, look, if you're if you're a hi- if you're hiring in any department, right, let's say you're the leader of a of a department of your company as the leader, you want to hire people that fill in your gaps, Right, like okay, I'm good at this, but I'm not great at this, so I want to hire someone who is and can. And then when it's the four of us or the five of us or the ten of us or whatever it is, hopefully you you've built a team with no gaps in it, and and bringing in an ana- an analytics guy and someone who is capable of building literal programs <laughs> to help with the development of players and the development of their own analytics and these things like uh, what the the Red Sox when Theo had it was called Carmine. And I can't remember what they called it when it moved to Chicago, but it's proprietary. Like they own it; they no one can use it. Like it's copywritten. It's all those sort of things. And you know, now the Hawks have someone who can theoretically do something very similar. And Jeff Greenberg, and to me, that's very exciting. I, I love it. Yeah. I, there, there's, there's, to me, there's no negative here. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't
0: see the bad part. I'll, I'll, I'll spit this thought out real quick because I know we're up against the clock here. But like this again shows a difference between. Davidson and Bowman, where Davidson's like, I'm going to build a team. I'm going to surround myself with smart people and and use their input. This is a group effort where Bowman was kind of like, I'm ruled an iron fist. Everything goes through me. And how well did that work out? So it's, it's nice to, to have a guy say, hey, I feel I'm very smart. But what's wrong with bringing in a whole bunch more smart people and have a really smart team attacking this and get different opinions and different methods And I know developing baseball players and and hockey players are apples and oranges, but you can't argue with the success that the Cubs had during that Theo Epstein run of developing their young players and winning that World Series with a lot of their own homegrown drafted talent. And we've been screaming for this. I mean, we just talked about it the whole first half of the show. you got to start building from within. You're not going to find your championship team on the free agency market in trades. And I think this is a step towards that. Kyle Davidson knows this. Now it's up to him to get the right pieces in there to make it happen.
1: So a couple other notes from Emily Kaplan's piece before we wrap up here. Uh, Davidson said the Blackhawks will fill out the rest of their hockey operations staff in the coming weeks. So there are more moves coming. He also warned that components that Greenberg wants to build will, quote, take some time and are not created overnight. Um, quote, we're just embarking on the first stages of the rebuild. I'm excited. And I'm excited about this hire because now we have the cornerstone that will buoy the on ice product. That's Kyle Davidson. And then here at the end, uh, from Kaplan though, Greenberg worked his entire professional career in baseball. He said he always considered himself quote, a hockey guy at heart. Greenberg began skating at three years old and played hockey growing up. He was raised in Pittsburgh, noting he was born the year after Mario Lemieux was drafted by the Penguins and enjoyed the Pittsburgh run of success through the 90s. So Jeff Greenberg in the fold for the Blackhawks. Very exciting news. And like we said, <laughs> there's, this is going to be a newsy offseason, and it hasn't even become the offseason yet, and the news is already happening. So it's very exciting, and it's a great time for you to become a member at allchgo.com. Why do you want to do that? Well, of course you'll get access to our podcasts and live shows on every Chicago team every day, our post-game shows, all the great written content which is only going to get better on the Blackhawks end uh, in the off-season. We're all going to be working so hard to bring fresh and cool, unique content to you all summer. You get abs- access to all the dope merch from our CHGO locker and when you become a member, you get a free shirt and you'll have access to our members-only Discord the chgo lounge so become a member at allchgo.com today we greatly appreciate that and one final reminder before we wrap up make sure you join our nhl playoff bracket challenge bracketchallenge.nhl.com search for the chgo blackhawks league when you find it use the code flower all caps f l o w e r to join our league the winner gets uh, some sweet chgo merch Uh, When the Stanley Cup is finally hoisted, so wow! Some breaking news at the end of the show. Very, very fun for my partners Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabassi. I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the CHGO Blackhawks Podcast.